Thank you for listening to Lawfully Ever After. I'm your host, Julie Potts. And please remember that this is not legal advice. This is meant to be informative and educational as you navigate one of the hardest times in your lives. All right, lawyer Julie, tell me about yourself. So we are starting this podcast for a few reasons. One, as fun as TikToks can be, they don't tell you the full explanation. I feel it in in all of my consults, I say the same thing over and over again. So my goal with the podcast is to give people information. Information is power and to educate them within the legal system as best as I can without giving legal advice. And hopefully help people take the emotion as much as they can out of this because unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it family law is not driven by emotion and I think most people think it should be or want it to be and so my goal is typically to give people reasonable expectations and hopefully that this podcast will grow and help people through this time learn how to make the best decisions for them and their family as free of emotion as possible. And so I guess you want to know about me. Why do I have any ability to talk about this? So I've been an attorney for about 20 years. I started out in the DA's office, which is most people know is when you prosecute criminals for their different crimes. So I had my first jury trial at 25 years old. And I'll never forget standing there thinking, why is someone listening to me? But I was able to get a lot of experience in the courtroom, tried many cases, and after about four and a half, five years, I had a set of twins. So I took time when I had the twins to step back. I still worked and I started doing adoptions and that was a wonderful field. And it transitioned to family law, uh, which ironically is a field I always swore I would never, ever, ever practice. So I've been doing family law ever since. And that's why I am in the shoes I'm in today. Started my own practice four years ago. It's grown from me to now seven lawyers officially tomorrow, and we have a great boutique firm here, but our exposure to the world is only our small three-county, four-county area in Pennsylvania. So hopefully this will go further and help people outside of the area get the information they need. Well, I'm excited that we're starting the podcast. We've been talking about it for... Like two years now. That's true. We have. And I'm going to guess one of the things you want me to answer is why I said I never practiced family law. That's a good question. (laughs) And here you are making it your whole Mm -hmm. life. So I said I would never practice family law mainly because I saw so much of it in my own life, which I think is important for people to know. I don't tell clients my personal life. And so now I'm going to tell people things that most people don't know about me. So I'm one of three biological kids. And my parents went through a divorce when I was four. And suffice it to say, it was about as as dramatic, traumatic, whatever you can say. There was abuse, both alcoholism by my father, physical abuse, and then I lived with a single mom. My youngest sibling, biological sibling, is special needs. So he has IDD and autism. And to say living in that environment was hard is probably an understatement. So she was a single mom. She did date somebody for about four years. So I went through the divorce, single mom, reintroduction into a boyfriend who was wonderful and definitely was a father role for me for a long time. And then we moved a number of times because she, when she got divorced. She had no college education. She didn't have a job and she was dependent. She built herself up and went from 
I think she was a data processor to now she's retiring. She's the head of, or she's a VP or something fancy in HR. So she's worked her way up in any event. So since she didn't have much money, we moved a lot. I always tell people that when I was 12, I moved into a rented townhouse that had fleas. And we had to leave because the place had to get bombed. So I didn't grow up in the, you know, life of luxury, if you will. My mom met my stepdad when I was about 12, and they got married at 14. So then I moved school districts at 14 in ninth grade, which most can say is not the best time to move. And their marriage was not smooth at first. So I saw a lot. And then that's just my life. And then my sister, she's been divorced twice, and I've seen some tough times through her. And I just thought, I do not want to get involved in the drama. However, I do think that my experience personally helps with that perspective. I'm fortunate that I'm married, June will be 16 years, and very happily married with three kids. But that doesn't mean I don't have the perspective And I think it's just enough perspective to help clients because I've seen the custody. I've been involved. I've had the alcoholic dad. I've had the step parent. I've had a move. I have a step sibling. My, well, he's now my adopted brother. But so I've been there. I've done that. So I get it. And I've had parents speak negatively about each other. My mom spoke very negatively about my father, probably deservedly so, but that doesn't mean it was the right thing to do. I've seen a lot. So in in my experience, I'm able to try to zoom out and say, look, stop doing this to your kids, stop doing this to your family. So that's sort of why I said I would never do it. But life has a way of telling you what you're meant to do. So I think this is what I was meant to do. And I enjoy it. But I hope that I can give more people some information to not make the same mistakes I see a lot of people making on a regular basis. So what was it that made you take the family law job originally? Yeah, so I started doing adoptions like, which is family law. And I had an opportunity at a firm in family law, which was obviously an easy transition because I was in family law, not in the custody divorce world as much, but termination of parental rights with regards to adoptions. And a good friend of mine from the DA's office also practices family law. And she said, yeah, try it. You'll be good at it. And I thought, all right, well, why not? It wasn't necessarily thought through as much as you might think. But then I found my niche, my calling that I was good at what I do. And I help people. And what I've been told is that I help empower people. So the empowering of people is where I think my passion comes from. I see so much misinformation on social media. There's so much misinformation. And it is it is very hard for me to not comment. And I see so many people asking questions that they're asking a group of people who really have no business giving advice. And hopefully through this podcast, we'll keep having episodes that will give you more rounded, direct advice because I am, I am direct to a fault. <laughs> it's definitely a style. <laughs> but what are some episodes that we can expect coming into the podcast? What topics are you thinking about? So I have a few, one of which is a full expansion on why I have the the get a job opinion. As Emily knows, she she's my TikTok poster. That is where I got a lot of comments, probably positive and negative, because I don't look at the comments. So you can say whatever you want. I'm about, not going to read them. About 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll be able to flush that out and explain that as opposed to a 30, 45 second clip. So that's number one. One that I'm excited about is narcissism, because a lot of people come in, I'd say 95% come in and say, so-and-so is narcissistic. And I, I've gotten to the point where I tell people, well, 
if every person is narcissistic that I'm told, then that statistic is next to impossible. But I do have a case that client, former client has agreed to talk about her experience and her red flags. And I hope that podcast will get a lot of information to people about what to do while they're in the relationship and they can still get out. And this client got out. We got out together, I would say, because the person turned on me personally. And I think that'll be interesting for those in really tough situations and to hear this very powerful woman and how she got out of it. I'm very excited for that one. That's great that she's agreed to come on and and talk about her side of the story. Yeah, she's excited. So we'll talk about step parents. We'll talk about special needs. I think that's something that's also unique that a lot of family law attorneys don't have experience in both personally and professionally. And I fortunately have both. We'll talk about your kids. And that's the most important piece. Most people come in and say, you know, I'm getting a divorce. I have a couple kids. And we always start on custody. So we need to That's going to be talked about a lot, both from the the physical custody schedule, the conditions, drug and alcohol, and the things that you can and cannot expect a court to do. I think everyone has these preconceived notions about their personal experience and what the court's going to agree with. I think you're coming from it from a much more objective piece of here's the law. Yeah, and that's the hard part. The law always depends. So what I say is going to be based on general ideas. Yeah, one of the things I say all the time to clients is the courts aren't here to micromanage the other person. Like, they're just not. People want to come in and say that my spouse should not do or my ex-girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, should not do one, two, or three. And I have to say that's not reasonable. There's not custody police that come in and say, hey, mom, dad, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, you're not following the order. You have to enforce it. You have to say it's my time. I can get you the order that you want, or try at least, and even when I get it, then you have to back it up. So... You know, giving people that information and telling them realistic expectations more free of emotion than not, because the custody factors in Pennsylvania, while some are emotionally driven to the person, such as domestic violence, that's obviously emotional. It's also, is that person abusive to the child? And how do you correlate the two? I can't say that you you don't have emotion with that, but we have to make sure that we peel it back a little bit. So it's highly emotional, and it should be because it's your kids. And I have kids, so I get it. But we also have to remember what the courts are here to do. And I think when you talk about empowering, sometimes with the dynamic of the marriage, maybe the person wasn't empowered enough to speak up and now they're in the situation where they have to be because they're advocating for their kids and they're advocating for themselves with their ex-spouse. I tell clients, look, stand behind me. Let me be the bad guy. That's your lawyer's job to start. You know, if you, like you said, have been in a marriage for one, two, 20 years, there's a pattern and your lawyer is supposed to help you get on your feet. That's my job and kind of empower them. And I tell clients, look, the goal is to stand behind me for now, but it's for now. And eventually you should be able to take over so that you can stand up to that person. And why there's a power shift doesn't always necessarily matter, or or lesser power in the home. But that's where I think I help people know you have this right. This is what you are entitled to in in both custody, divorce, support, etc. So I'm sure it's very fun to see them get their little wings and go, okay, you don't need me anymore. That's my favorite part. (laughs) I tell people you don't want to need me for the rest of your life. Financially, you know, I wouldn't want to pay for myself either. And emotionally, because you can do it. Fortunately or unfortunately, I see a lot of people in the community that I have helped. I can see that they're, like you said, taking off and doing well. And sometimes they need to check in. And some of my favorite clients will check in more often. And it is good to see them. That's what I want. I want everybody to be in a healthy, as healthy as it can be, relationship with their past significant other, especially in custody.
if you have the right lawyer, and the right lawyer depends on you. I'm not the right lawyer for everybody, and that's okay too. But when you have somebody who you can trust, and I always tell clients, look, you're not paying me to tell you what you want to hear. I'm telling you what you need to hear. There's a saying that says something along the lines of, if you care about the other person, tell them what they need to hear. If you care about yourself, tell them what they want to hear. And I think that's true because lawyers get a bad rap for being expensive. We are. It sucks. But if you have a good lawyer, they're going to help you figure out a way to minimize that cost by telling you what you need to hear. And sometimes you don't want to hear it, but that doesn't mean it's not what you need to hear. It's definitely my motto. And it, and it works. And it's it works not because it's it's me or it's unique. It's because it's what needs to happen. So that is the goal, and that's the the path this hopefully is taking. And I think you also want to help people pick lawyers that are good fits for them. Obviously, can't be everybody's lawyer, but if they like your style, what should they be doing when they're picking a lawyer? I think we'll do a podcast just on that because there's a lot of red flags even in who you pick as an attorney. And that's also something to really know before you go in. And so that's a big part of it because that's how you start your process. So, yeah, we'll talk about how to pick a lawyer, things to consider. Some, you know, we'll get into the weeds on some issues. Probably alimony is a big one that people want to know about. But sometimes we'll just talk, you know, more opinionated. I'll, if I have an issue that comes out in my day to day, I'll be able to talk about it high level without getting into specifics. But these are common themes. I've seen a lot, I've heard a lot. I still get surprised on a regular basis, but there's common themes. So, hopefully, these common themes can be used to everybody's benefit. That sounds great to me. It'll right. be an exciting journey to be on together for the Thanks, first Em. Time. Thanks. <laughs> All right. We will see you next time.